Well, hello and welcome to the Rooted Together podcast, a podcast which aims to root you in Christ through his word together. I'm your host, Charles Hegwood, and today we are in 2 Timothy chapter 3 with an episode entitled, Hold the Truth of God's Word. Now, chapter 3 is probably one of the most famous chapters in 2 Timothy. It's the one that most people quote when talking about God's word as God breathed. And how do we get to the realization that God's word is infallible, is without error? And we would say a lot of that comes to verse 316, which says that all scripture is God breathed, that he breathed into it or inspired it. It is his very words, and therefore he has protected his word. And we'll use this verse to argue that, and I think that's fine, because I I think that that certainly works within the whole context of Scripture. That theme is there, and it's upheld by that verse. And quick note on apologetics, I know some people will say, well, that's circular reasoning, but I only bring that up and that verse up to explain that the Bible sees itself as God's word. Now, that does not mean on the surface that it's without error. I mean, certainly it can say that and be wrong. Now, I don't believe it is, but the reason why it's important that we at least acknowledge that the Bible itself says that it's God's word, both in this place and then in a, a point in Peter, Peter also talks about this, is because if we don't at least acknowledge that the Bible itself sees itself as truth, then we have no right to claim it as such. Now, we have to do the work of looking at difficult passages, and we have to do the work of translation and looking at the manuscripts. And and many scholars are and have and will continue to do so. But for the everyday churchgoer, again, this isn't the end-all, be-all. Let me prove to you that God's Word is without error. Well, 2 Timothy 3.16 says it does, and that's important because we have to arrive there. Because again, what's the difference between the Bible and any other book, like a Harry Potter book? A Harry Potter book is fiction. It means to be fiction. The Bible claims itself to be true. Therefore, we need to investigate it in a way that says this book is claiming to be true. And as I have researched it and I have read scholars, I have agreed with those scholars that the Bible is true. And that while it claims to be God's word, it is God's word. It says it's inspired by God, and I do believe God both inspired it and protected it, and therefore we can trust it as God's holy word. That is not proof that it's without error, but it is important evidence to it being without error. And I do believe that God's word, the original manuscripts, were protected by the Holy Spirit to be God's true revelation. We can trust it. And also it means that we can't throw something out because we don't like it. Everything we have contained in in these 66 books are God's truth. We don't add anything to it, and we do not take anything away from it. We do have the hard work of hermeneutics, which is a big fancy term to say how to read and interpret the scriptures. It's difficult. It requires work. And I tell people all the time, as I'll tell you right now, as you're reading God's word— you have to read it with the context, with the not the context, I'm sorry, with the mindset that it's like exercising. You don't show up at the gym and bench 500. You go for years and train your body to do that. You have to train your spiritual muscles as well to read and interpret God's word. You start off basic, and the more you do it, 
the more things you see and the more you learn how to better interpret rightly God's word. So let's jump into the here. And again, within the context of what's happening in this chapter, let me briefly talk about that. Paul, again, is dealing with the fact that there are people that both at this time, at the time of the writing, are falling away from the faith and will continue to do so. And so when we look out at our world today, verse 2 should stand out to us. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, and so on and so forth. None of these things should surprise us. They were there when Paul was writing this, and they're there today. People are broken. We are sinful. That's God's word. We understand that. That's what we see of our world today. So we might ask then, what's the answer? Well, Paul says here in verse 10, You, however, followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, and my steadfastness. He's pointing Timothy to the fact that unlike the world who pursues love of self and all of these other things, you pursue what I pursue, and that is God and his word. And that eventually brings us to here our highlight, which is 3.16 and 17. I think you need both which says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So they explain, surrounded by a rising tide of sinful people, Paul encouraged Timothy to follow and continue in the way of godliness the way of Christ. Verses 10 and verses 14 are encouragements that lead a Christ-centered life. How so? By knowing the scriptures. They are God-breathed, full of his spirit and presence. Since they are God-breathed, reading and knowing them leads to truth. Scriptures have purpose. They teach They correct, reproof, and train. Why? So that Timothy and us may be complete, full, and equipped for the good work of godliness, Christ-likeness. That's a very short explanation of these two verses. So much more could be said. And again, notice as I explain that I'm using the context of verse 3. You need it. There's a problem. The world is pursuing other things. Paul calls Timothy to pursue godliness. We have to ask the question, what is godliness and how do we follow it? And the answer is you have to know God's word because God's word is breathed out. It's full of his spirit. And when we read it, we are encountering the holy God through his words. And notice the scriptures have purpose. And I said that and I briefly explained that. But we often read 316 and we stop. And, and I think that's dangerous because they, they have purpose. The purpose is that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete which means you won't be complete as a follower of Jesus unless you know God's word. You'll be equipped for every good work because you know God's word. You will be trained in righteousness because you study God's word. You can give correction and be corrected because you know God's word. You can reprove bad belief because you know God's word. And you can teach because you know God's word. All of these things are important, but what is our application, or in this case, applications, really quickly? 
Am I reading God's Word and meeting Him in it, or am I simply reading it to check it off? Am I reading it so that I can be able to teach it the next week, but not really encountering God in it? Because if it's God-breathed, I need to encounter, I must encounter God in His Word. I will allow God's Word to teach me how to live, and then I'll do it. Am I reading God's Word simply to read it, or am I living it? You have to ask in every sermon, every chapter you read, every sermon you listen to, every lesson you teach, what does it say? What does it mean? How do I live by it? Those are three important questions to ask when you encounter Scripture, when you sit in the pew on Sunday, when you read the Bible on Monday. Those three questions, how do you live by this? Well, am I letting it teach me how to live? Am I aligning my life with Scripture? Or am I trying to align Scripture with my life or my heart? I will let it reprove and correct me, and that's hard. I've read passages that I'm getting ready to preach, and God has just raked me over the coals. And I, I, I come into Sunday going, I'm, this, is, this really is hard for me to preach because God just corrected me of some sin in my life this week as I read this passage, right? Um, that the Bible's supposed to do that. We should read it. Sometimes it should sting a little bit. Sometimes you can feel the Holy Spirit going, that's you. You need to change. You're not living a godly life. You're doing this sin. Repent. Uh, Next, I will train myself in righteousness. It's a process through what I read. In understanding, righteousness is a process. We train ourselves. It must be intentionally pursued. It won't be accidentally found. I will apply what I read. That's perhaps one of the hardest things to do. It's easy to read it. It's easy perhaps even to go, this is what it means, but it's hard to jump to that third question. How do I live by this and then do it? But I must apply it. So we end with our response. Father, your word is good. It beckons me to meet with you there. Let me be changed by your spirit in the word. Let your breath fill my spirit with with your words, that I may know you more. Thank you for talking. You and your grace spoke the scriptures. Jesus, may I be conformed into your image as I pursue godliness. Holy Spirit, be my strength as I grow in you and as I meet you in your word. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to Rooted Together, and I'd like to thank you for joining me in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I look forward to joining you in 2 Timothy chapter 4 next time. I'll see you there.